You're listening to the Toy Photographers Podcast, the official podcast of toyphotographers.com. On this show, we talk to people around the world who are turning Lego, action figures, miniatures, custom creations, and more into amazing works of art. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Toy Photographers Podcast, the official podcast of toyphotographers.com and the first and only toy photography podcast to be broadcast live into space. My name is Ad Rappa, and I'll be your host for this roundtable episode, where we will be discussing one of photography's most crucial components, lighting. But before we jump into the conversation, I'm going to go around our virtual table here and introduce our guests. So sitting to the right of me is Dave DeBearmaker, also known as The Real Studio Dave on Instagram. And Dave, how are you doing this evening? Hi, everybody. It's nice to uh, be here. Oh, it's great to have you. Uh, next to Dave, we have Oliver Peterson, Oliver Sees on Instagram. How are you, sir? I'm well, thank you very much. Awesome. And rounding out today's table is Adam Burke, the man behind Burkehead Toys, sitting to my left. How are you, sir? Hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I appreciate everyone making the time to join us tonight. We've, uh, we've got a couple t- topics that I want to get us through, all to deal with lighting. And I, I understand discussing lighting for photography is almost the equivalent of discussing politics or religion. So I'm expecting a, a variety of opinions here, but uh, hopefully we can get a lot better than those conversations tend to go in, in real life. So uh, again, I when it comes to lighting, I think there's just there's just so many different ways to approach it, and I mentioned that it's one of photography's crucial components, or it it may actually be the most crucial because if you don't have any light, I don't know if you have a photograph. But uh, <laughs> with that said, um, Dave, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at come to you first. Uh, when it comes to lighting, do you have a a preference? Do you work with natural light, studio lights, both, and um, if you don't mind, let's talk about your preference and why you, you tend to shoot that way. Sure. Um, I mean, I shoot kind of everything, but when it comes down to the, what I shoot most, is definitely in studio with artificial lights. Um, and I think the reason is mainly um, it's just more accessible. Um, I, As a father of young kids, that's why I got into photography as a father of young kids. So it's something I could do while I was, uh, you know being the parent at home where the kids can uh while the kids are sleeping uh that type of thing so i think that and that it naturally led from that uh but being in the studio also allows me to control all the lights and all the environment um regardless of what the weather is so i'm definitely a studio shooter yeah and you know when i look over your photos i find your light to be very almost like ethereal like i i can't quite tell where it's coming from unless you're very deliberate about showing a um a light source whether it's it's emanating from some kind of magical power or so on so i i always you know your your lighting i find very very difficult to kind of reverse engineer so i i don't know if that's a compliment or an insult but it's meant in the, in the nicest of way i'm going to take that as a compliment um but i really try to uh I try to make the light as natural as possible, given the fact that we're dealing with toys and superheroes and Star mm-hmm. Wars. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't intentionally do that, but it's kind of cool that, that that. Yeah, no problem. So you work hard to make the you know unnatural natural. Yeah, um, I, I try to as much as possible try to make the scene look as if it could be real life. Um, so that's that's my goal. Whether I hit that hit that every time, I have no idea. But that's my that's my. Uh, motivation at least well thanks dave and um oliver how about you do you find yourself leaning more towards using natural light in your scenes or do you rely on studio lights i mean like dave said it's a little of everything um but uh i definitely 
been on a sort of progression with this. Uh, when I started in the very beginning, when I was terrible, um, I was using a lot of just like flashlights mm-hmm. um, and my iPhone. And uh, then uh, when I started to get better, I was using outdoor light, just natural light. Um, and in the last uh, couple of years, I've started to do a lot more with um, uh, in studio lights as well, and 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 bringing lights outdoors. Um, I think you can even bring a small light and sort of enhance the natural light. Just give a little extra lot of brightness on someone's face or whatever you need to do. So. You know, and I, I guess you know I should use air quotes when I say studio lights because I'm I'm along with you. You know, um, I started with flashlights, basically anything that I could use to illuminate in my house, uh, from glow sticks to um, these little glow cubes that I used to get at uh, from Disney World that they would put in drinks, like the light up ice cubes. Like I was a big nice. a big proponent of trying to find everything in and around the house. And I guess it's no secret that I, like you guys, I tend to, I actually, I might be a little bit different from you guys because I actively shy away from shooting outdoors. Um, I much prefer the studio setting where I do have 100% control over the lights, whether I'm using my, my flashes, con- um, constant lights, or, um, you know, every now and then using those flashlights. So let's talk about our, our lighting preference in the studio. So again, I, I'll use that term studio lights, but it's really just encompassing anything that's not coming from nature. Dave, you want to talk about some of the gear that you prefer to, or you tend to use or what's really prevalent in your behind the scenes? Sure. Um, like, like, uh, both of you have mentioned, I also started with flashlights, um, tactical flashlights. You can get four for 20 bucks off Amazon. I used a bunch of those originally and I, I found some, uh, microphone stands like desktop microphone stands in the, uh, freebie, t- uh, bin at work. So I grabbed a bunch of those and that was my, my, uh, light stands for the longest time and it worked amazingly well. Um, but I found it didn't, it, I started with Lego and I found that it worked well for Lego, but it didn't, the flashlight didn't scale. Uh, nicely to um, 12 inch and six inch figures um, so my go-to right now is uh, my standard setup I have a 27 inch light box uh, which if viewers aren't familiar with um, it's basically just a 27 inch of, of vinyl with reflectors inside and a LED light on the top and that kind of allows you to have like a glow um, like 360 even light around the whole uh, toy or whatever scene you put in the light box um, that's where I set up most of my scenes. And then, um, I usually keep that fairly low and then my uh, more directional light tends to be loom cubes. Uh, I fell in love with loom cubes, uh, very much. Uh, they have, they have bright lights, they're controllable. They have lots of adapters and that's kind of between those two is probably my recommended go-to that, uh, at least the, the go-to that hits my studio the most. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between the different scenarios where you would use the 27 inch light box and the, the loom cube? Cause this 27 inch light box seems, uh, seems huge to me, especially when you're working on with the uh, mini figures or even six inch figures. It is, um, it becomes necessary when you're working with a 12 inch. Um, that's really why I bought, and it's the difference in price between like a much smaller one and the 27 was like 20 bucks on B&H photo. So it was like, I'll just get the big one and I won't have to worry about space. Um, but typically what I do, um, cause those, those, those light boxes, they're the type of thing that if you're like a product photographer and you want like that seamless white background mm-hmm. when you're showing your products, that's what, that's what you kind of use this for if you're not a toy photographer. Um, so there's a really bright light in there, but it's very unidirectional. So it kind of leads to 
Um, not very interesting toy photos. Um, but what I do use it for is because my studio is generally dark. It's in the basement and there's not many windows. Um, I use it usually just for kind of an ambient light, just to kind of keep the light at a certain level. Uh, that um, And then when I expose the camera, I kind of set it so the, the uh, light box looks dark um, or just not, not illuminated as much. Um, and then that kind of gives like the general lowest level light. So I have, I have uh, light so I can do my thing um, and it sets the exposure level to a certain level. Um, then I use the loom cubes and introduce those at various angles to actually introduce the main light that kind of gives the scene character. Oliver, how does that compare to your typical setup in your, your home studio? Um, well, I think, f- first of all, maybe that light box sounds like that might be the key to the ethereal light that you're talking about, <laughs> you know, that I, I wonder if that kind of that sets that base level of that kind of... Yeah, that light I can't quite put my finger on in Dave's shots, absolutely. I tend to kind of use, a bunch, I use loom cubes, a lot of different loom cubes. I was very lucky um, a couple of years ago, uh, loom cube um, got in touch with me just out of the blue and said, oh, we have this new um, Air VC light that we're trying out. Would you like one? So they sent it to me, which was awesome. And then uh, that started a relationship with them. And since then, I've gotten several different, I've got several different kits, uh, the panel mini, which is great. Um, and then the regular cubes with all the different filters and snoots and uh, barn doors and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I tend to uh, use all sorts of different lights. Um, I'm a little messy with it. I'm kind of balancing them on this and that. I don't have a very perfect setup yeah. in terms of like little stands for all of them. And I, I thought the same thing when Dave was talking about the mic stands. I am constantly knocking lights over because they're always <laughs> precariously balanced on something and that'll take down a figure, start the entire domino effect. And then yeah. I, I, I say a lot of bad words and then I have to walk away for a bit. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Um, But yeah, it's a lot of experimentation for me just playing around with different, um, you know, these different uh, diffusers and whatnot that the uh, I use primarily loom cubes. I'll chime in too with the the loom cubes as well, because I'm a a big fan. Uh, Again, uh, full disclosure, they are definitely a big supporter of toyphotographers.com. But I think it's also because they were a supporter of them because they do make awesome stuff. And I, in a review of a loom cube, I think I called it like the Cadillac of toy lighting because it really does, it does everything. And I mean, it's hard to resist once you buy the, uh, I forgot their modification kit. It just makes everything so simple. And while it, it is definitely towards the, um, the pricier end of the lighting kits that you can get, well, actually, I shouldn't say that because it's photography and those light, the price can go through the roof. But uh, I do like it because when I started using my, my LoomCube 2.0 with the modification kit, everything fit. Like all the adapters worked. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't duct taping things or, or, you know, DIYing things quite as much. I still like to do that a lot in my photography. Um, aside from my Loom Cube, I use a bunch of these uh, Manfrotto Lumen Muse, I think they're called, 3.0s. They're just very, very simple lights. Um, they're kind of dumb lights, not like the Loom Cube where you just turn them on and off. But I, I cut my own gels for them. I cut my own modifiers for them. And they really work out great. And that's enabled me to just, hey, I want to throw more color here. I want to throw orange here, blue here, mix here. So um, uh, really, really great to use. But again, I I started with those flashlights. I still have flashlights in the same box that I keep my Loom Cube and my other lights. So you never know what the the you know, the shot is going to call for. I think one of my favorite things that I've been playing around with lately, uh, uh, and Adam really took this and, and 
has done like a much better job than I have is using a black light to illuminate a uh, plastic that you know, glows. And it's been great for making uh, one of my, one of my uh, like go- holy grails is trying to make perfect lightsaber shots in camera. And that's really helped a lot. It's been great for making laser blasts and, and things like that. So you, you've been doing some good, good job at that so far. I mean, those recent pictures of the um, infinity uh, figurines. Um, I thought you did a nice job doing those in-camera lightsabers. They look terrific. I appreciate that. And Dave's a big motivator there because the the magic that he pulls out in Photoshop, I'm like, damn it. Like, I can't do that. Like, I have to find another way to do it. But um, Adam, do you like to use natural light outdoors or do you prefer to, you know, shoot indoors with, with artificial lighting such as strobes? And uh, For me, it, it really depends on the shot I'm doing. I mean, I kind of prefer actually just going outside. Um you know, like the golden hour where the hero lighting is perfect, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff outside. But, um, it, like I said, it depends on the shot. Like I've been doing a ton more star Wars lately than I usually have. So that's always in my basement with pretty much any sort of thing that gives off light that I can find. I mean, I love my, I, 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 I love the loom cubes. Um, big fan of those. It's just, I only have the two because of the price. I mean, obviously they're expensive, but I will grab anything and, and everything that's cheap. Uh, the Disney drink cubes are, are great. I like to hide because they're small and, you know, they're LED, so they can do a whole bunch of different colors and effects. So I like to hide those places. Um, For those who might not be familiar with the Disney drink cubes, again, I'll, I'll read it. They're, they're these uh, LED color changing glow ice cubes that they put in kids drinks or adult beverages and it's become like ever since i started using them like adam in my photography i make sure to drink several adult beverages on each disney trip not not because i want to because i have to i do it for my photography yeah i do it for the photography as well so yeah i mean they're perfect because they're like an inch and a half by an inch and a half cube so you can you know if you need orange light for an explosion you can hide it behind like a little crate or something but um, yeah, I, I right now I kind of do prefer shooting inside. I'd never thought I'd be you know one of those guys, but because I just like shooting outside. I like being outside. Uh, but yeah, I mean the stuff. I was just kind of looking through my feed because I haven't looked at some of my old stuff in a while, and I I definitely can see where I started using like a reflector for outside shots. And yeah, that that that's that's huge. Cause you're just fighting yeah. the sun. So you like the, 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 the Imperial probe droid shot I did with flowers. I think that took 90 minutes because it was a partially cloudy day. And I, I just, I would get it all set up and then the, the big, you know, big old cloud would come in and I'd wait. And then, you know, wind would blow the shot around toy fall over or something like that. It's always something. <laughs> so that, that definitely, you know, leads you back inside. Do, do those drink cubes have, um, can you replenish the batteries or are they just a one time once the battery dies, they're done? No, no, they, they're designed for one time use. I just looked into this because I just got back with uh, a pair of Oogie Boogie dice that are light up cubes. I was going to do a shot with a little tiny Oogie Boogie rolling his dice and the red one will not light. And I and so I, I Googled it and can you replace them? And it turns out there is just an acrylic cube sealed because it's meant to go in a drink, obviously. But if you dissect it enough, the, it's got like little watch batteries and they're pretty mm-hmm. much soldered to a circuit board with three LEDs on it. So, yeah, because that was my first thing. I'm like, I really want to do this shot. 
and I can't. If I if I if I figure out some way to do it, I was thinking about trying to hide a normal red glowing cube behind it if it's big enough. But yeah, th those things are one and done. So I don't let them run longer than I have to. And each cube has its own color; doesn't change colors. Oh, they can. They uh, they can flash. Like I think they go through the whole array of colors. Yeah. It's kind of a pain. But I mean, do they have a setting? I mean, I'm just like if, <laughs> if you put it behind because you want an orange explosion, you put it behind that explosion. Do you have to wait until it cycles through, or does it stay orange? It's just got one button. So you got to click, you know, 47 times to get it to red constant. Yeah, it's got it's got one button on it, but it's like click for once for red. It's funny. Of, uh, of all the gear I thought we were talking about, I never thought we would be diving into the, the drink cube. But again, it's I think it's a great way of um, of incorporating something certainly not meant for photography at all, but just showing how it really can can it. You know, you can find a purpose. You can find a, some some great like lighting from uh, the craziest of places. And these have always been great to throw just a, a dash of color here or there. Um, again, I, they you can get them from Amazon, and I'll, so I'll make sure to share links to where you can get them, or you just can take yourself to a Disney park or probably any theme park and go buy some some of the, some beverages for yourself. Might be cheaper to do Amazon though. <laughs> Might be. One one thing I've done, uh, especially for Lego shots, is I've taken a, one of those cheap LED flashlights you get at like hardware stores for like a buck at the uh, cashier's mm -hmm. counter, um, and I uh, I took it apart using a Dremel because they don't really come apart, um, and then just took out the light part and then soldered on the the battery, and then I, I could take that light then and put it in some place that didn't fit anything else. Um, so I use the, I have a Millennium Falcon shot where I have it in the, it's a Lego Millennium Falcon and I put, put it inside the, the Falcon itself. So then it was shining down the ramp as it was open. Um, and that was the only way I could get a light in there and still take a shot of the outside of it. Um, but that's another kind of way to do that. If you're a little bit inclined, I mean, it's, it's, a, it required some soldering skills, but like the most basic rudimentary soldering skills. Um, but, um, it was, a it was an interesting way to add a bit of extra light where light couldn't be from the other equipment that I had. Dave, that's a great segue into another thing I wanted to bring up. When it comes to lighting, uh, you know, do you start out, uh, and I'll, I'll ask you this first, because you, you were talking about the Millennium Falcon. In that shot, did you say, hey, I want to take a picture of the Millennium Falcon and I want light coming down the ramp? Or did it just kind of evolve like, hey, I want to do this. And then, you know, it'd be really cool if I can light from this side. And that's when you got your tools and your Dremel out and like kind of solve that need. Well, for that particular shot, I definitely had the idea of the light coming down. Um, so I started off building that light. There have been other shots where it's kind of evolved. Um, so it it kind of goes both ways. But a lot of times when I sit down in my, my uh, studio and try to work out a shot, I have a fairly decent idea of how I want the final product to look. Um, sometimes it's a matter of do I do it in practical or do it in Photoshop? Because uh, some things are just easier one way or the other. Um, but uh, I, you t typically have um, a g at least a general idea of how I want the things to go. And then normally I have a rough idea of how the lights are going to be placed before I sit down. And that evolves over time. I mean, I never get it right first time. But um, it does, that's typically how I start is with a final shot. Do you have a threshold too of like, well, I can... I can do this practically if I put 14,000 lights here or I could just spend five minutes in Photoshop and just do it that way. Like what, what, how do you, how do you make that determination, which route you're going to go on? A, a if it's five minutes in Photoshop, all odds are I'll do five minutes in Photoshop. 
Um, just because, why not? Um, I know I'm going to be... Any shot I make is going to spend, you know, several hours in Photoshop anyway, so what's another five minutes there? Um, but the thing that I find that's really, really important um, to do in camera is to get the light direction correct. Um, so I'll often make sure that that is correct in camera, and then if I have to add something on top of that to enhance something... Um, or add a flare or something like that. I can do that in Photoshop, but it's really hard um, unless you have a lot of really good skills, um, usually artistic training in my experience. That may not be true, but for the people I know who are really good at it, they tend to be trained artists. Um, have how light falls on things and how to mimic that in Photoshop. It's really like a artistic thing um, that I don't have, uh, but the light doesn't lie in, in the real world physics never lies to you um so um i try to get that um and even things like lightsaber glows um i do the actual glowing part uh, like the lightsaber in photoshop all the time uh but the glow onto the people or what it's kind of reflecting off of um i try to get that by flashing a little bit of colored light on the car- the figure itself and then i'll just draw in the blade in photoshop awesome. i do the same thing that's what i do too cool. yeah so, so Adam, I'm going to turn this around to you now. Do you have, when it comes to shooting, do you have a particular approach? Like, where does lighting start to come into your creative process? Are you, do you, are you setting a scene and then building the lights around that? Or, or do, you, do you have in your head, you see the way you want the light to fall? Uh, a little both. Usually, I, I, like, I don't, I don't have your cool sketch pad on napkin. I approach everything <laughs> I have is, is just in my head. So I just, you know, set stuff out how I picture it in my head. And a lot of the times, like, I, I know I need, you know, the backlight coming from this direction on this side and where everything should be. And then, you know, you put it out there and practically it doesn't work like it does in my head. So that's when I start experimenting. It's I think I think about six shots on my entire feed actually came out how I pictured them. I mean, everything else <laughs> is just it, 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 it's a living thing. It just kind of grows until you get something that looks good in camera. You say it, then it your final shot ends up better than how you no, visioned once. I think one <laughs> time there was once. one time I, it, it was the, it was the, it was about a year ago actually it was the Groot with uh, Chucky reflecting in the eye that uh, that that just, was amazing that grew because I just wanted to do a, a shot of him on top of Groot and then I kind of looked at it and I looked at the angle then I noticed the reflection and lighting that was a real pain because uh, you know you had to, you did want to wash out Groot's face. But I wanted to get Chucky illuminated enough to catch the full reflection in the eye. So, yeah, that was the only one I think actually looks better on page than in my mind. Everything else is meh. No, I wouldn't say that. (laughs) It looks good in Uh, here. (laughs) Oliver, how about you? you you? When does lighting enter your creative process? I use light. I mean, obviously, you come up with an idea and then you the lighting enters it when you try to make that idea look the way you see it in your head. Um, I uh, often, you know, I I struggle, but I I tend to get there eventually. It takes me a lot of fiddling around with a lot of different things. Um, I don't usually get it on the first try with the lighting. Yeah, and I I think that's a a very important topic that I actually noted down. Um, And I wanted to ask everybody, because I can speak for myself. When When I set out with a shot, um, you know, I, I know I want to try to wash things in color and that really means really bubkiss. Like, cause how do you, how do you do that? And I, I want to make, sh- I want to try to make the light interesting. So I think for me personally, I probably spend the bulk of a shot 
you know, once I, I set the scene and I get my, my angle, I get my camera set up, then the bulk of it is spent with a tremendous amount of trial and error. Um, you know, I know you, you only ever see everybody's end results and it's easy to look at someone's feed and go, wow, they, they just nail it every single time. But it's the 4 million shots that you don't see, right, of where it just didn't work. And I, I try to sometimes share that in like... Um, in my stories where I'll just show me sitting in Lightroom scrolling through like hundreds of pictures of the same scene, but various lighting. But yeah, again, I, I tend to just, um, I set up my scene and then I, I grab my loom cube. I get, grab my Manfrotto's or my, my black light, whatever I have, whatever I want to use. And I, I kind of just move them around. I, when I shoot though, I, I'm, I'm very purposefully always focused on my ambient light first. Like, and that's my, you know, my background light, my, my highlights or any kind of key lights that I want to add to the figures. I spend a lot of time arranging that. And then typically my primary light is a, just an overhead flash with a, a small like on flash softbox that I use. And that's where I'll spend another, you know, 30 minutes trying to find where's the right damn angle where I don't get these reflections on, you know, the figures on all the shiny plastics. And I know uh, Four Bricks Tall recently posted a great video and I highly recommend everyone go to her YouTube channel. She's been posting tremendous lighting tutorials and behind the scenes and how to avoid that. But um, again, for me, it's it's just a, tr- a ton of trial and error. Um, I probably spend, you know, three to four times or, uh, you know, the, I would say maybe 90% of my shot is really just trying to get those lights in the right place and getting them to cooperate. That, that's very interesting that you use a flash. Um, and I realize, obviously, you said you're diffusing it. Um, but I think that that takes a bit of a extra skill. I mean, I find it so hard to use a flash without just killing a picture, you know. <laughs> but I suppose with the right amount of diffusion, I, I should probably try to practice with a flash a bit more because there are time especially when you're trying to do like a high speed shot indoors where you're trying to catch move you know something uh that's moving quickly and catch it in frozen mm-hmm. and it gets just so dark I, I think a flash could probably help with that if you were able to uh light it properly and not get a terrible flash look to the photo yeah again yeah it's it's i, I agree 100 the the flash does open a lot of creative possibilities but it's those it's such a, a high-powered light typically and those reflections getting it propping it up and a lot of times i feel like i need to have three arms because i'm tip, i'm holding my flash in one arm I, I might be doing some other like kind of um you know uh, holding gels in front of my camera with another and, you know i guess that's why really good photographers get assistance or whatnot but right but cool um yeah, I didn't hear Dave uh, Adam. Do you guys use you? You're talking about the lights. Talked loom cubes, um, and Dave, you have a LED light panel in your softbox. So it sounds like everybody's using a constant lighting versus the strobes. Typically, is there a reason you you lean towards those? Uh, for me, um, it's more to do with the fact that the exposure level um, that. Well, a couple things. Uh, the one is that the uh, I tend to do longer exposures to get the right light, uh, just because even even with the bright lights of loom cubes, um, to you have to have your uh, your shutter so. Uh, what's the term? Uh, aperture. 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 Thank <laughs> you very much, sir. Uh, your aperture is so small to kind of get the depth of field you need for focus that you lose a lot of light in that. Um, so I tend to have a longer sh- a longer shutter. Uh, opening and I just find that it's easier with constant light to kind of figure all that out. Uh, another thing is if I'm doing practical effects, 
Um, the flashes are really great at freezing motion, mm. um, which is great if you want the motion frozen. But if you want kind of a uh, like a streaming effect instead of a like if you throw some dust in and you want the dust to be kind of hazy because uh, it's moving around being blown by the wind and not like instantly frozen in space, um, then uh, the constant light allows you to do that much more than the flash does. If you want the, the you want the dust to be um, frozen in space, uh, which can make dynamic shots, um, then flash is your friend and you should get you sh- uh, I highly recommend that uh, you pick up uh, one uh, young Nuo makes fairly cheap ones for flashes um, that are fairly decent quality. Uh, but it tends to be more, when I do my special effects, I tend to want it to be more uh, motion blurred. Um, so the the uh, constant light helps me do that. Adam, uh, I, I know you have a flash, right? Uh, I have a Loom Cube 2.0 that I've, I've been bugging you about on how to get the, <laughs> in, in the strobe mode. Because, yeah, I was just looking through my feed. Um, I just started that 14 photo, the, the Mando with the, the child Mando mini helmet. I mean, that was what, last mm-hmm. month? That was the first time I've really started using, uh, you know, because the, uh, the flash effect. Because what I do is I, s- I set my ca- uh, my camera on like a 10-second timer. And then I'm spraying atmosphere aerosol. And, and I'm watching the, the countdown. And then when it's 3, 2, 1, then I'm trying to manually time my flash to go off. Because it was it, – I'm looking at that photo now because I wanted to catch enough front uh, – detail and the two figures but i didn't want to do you know just full-on front lighting because i wanted the stormtroopers in the back to be in the shadow and the stream of light coming through the door and that that was at the time probably one of the more complex lighting <laughs> i've had to do so i'm like i'm looking around i don't have any flashes and then i'm like oh yeah i can that's when i started bugging you i'm like how do i make this work and i yeah. i really liked it especially with the uh, the one or two lego shots i've done too because you put that, I, I got the the diffuser bulb on it, mm-hmm. and I can actually hold that pretty close to the figures without it, you know, getting burn spots in on the on the, the actual photo. So I'm really enjoying the flash in my photos now, and I yeah, think I'm yeah. gonna keep good. I'm gonna keep doing that for a while. Cool. Yeah, that's a that's a really cool um thing that I like about the the loom cube and what Adam's talking about is setting it into um, optical mode and for those it's and what that means is that if you're using you have other flashes or other dynamic changes in lighting the loom cube will detect those and will fire um, along with them now there's it's a uh, it's really really cool when you're using it with other lighting but it also works great when you want to just kind of trick it and get it to, to flash whether you cover up the optical center with your finger or you just press the plus or minus sign to um to increase the light it always gives a pop of light and i uh when i traveled the last time i went to um disney world to when i went to galaxy's edge which is actually uh just a, a year ago over a year ago I, instead of i had planned originally to bring my flash but then when i discovered the optical mode on the loom cube it saved me a ton of space in my camera bag because i just brought that and that was what i used as kind of a a, a travel flash I, you know, I filled that space up with toys, which is, is something we're going to get into in a future roundtable episode of traveling with toys. So I don't want to talk about it now, but yeah, that, that's a really great mode. And, um, again, I, Dave, you, you had mentioned, uh, you know, using the, you tend to shoot with longer exposures. Well, I'm right there with you, even though I am using a flash and my constant light, um, you know, I, I, 
I really, like I said, I focus my, my consistent or my constant lights on my, my background or when I want to blow things out like a lightsaber. And then I use the flash just to, to give that pop of light to my subjects, my main, uh, my main figures in the shot. Doesn't always work. Again, lots of trial and error, lots of frustrations. And just like uh, sounds like you guys, I feel like a, a magician sometimes, like, you know, waving my hands around, holding the, the strobes and the lights and trying to knock my figures over in the process, which, which does happen uh, quite a bit. So Oliver, you're you're uh, any any comments too on the the consist the constant flat or constant lighting? Um, well, for one, it sounds like I definitely got to start exploring using my flash. I have a real nice flash. I just never, you know, I've when I think of flash, it's just I think it probably open up a whole new world of possibilities for me. So that's good. I like this uh, conversation. Um, but yeah, I uh, I don't. I only use consistent lighting. I don't have fire anything off, so it's all set up beforehand. I'll give you a word of word of warning, though. Um, just like any other photography gear and lighting, you know, the flashes do become addictive. Now, I do use the brand that Dave was mentioning, the Young Nuos, uh, but I, I I found at one point I'm like, wow, I really wish I had another one, and so I ended up getting two. And now I'm like, wow, I really wish I had three. So it, it's just, you know, it's amazing the amount of gear we can amass for, you know for shooting such a uh, tiny little plastic figures, but yeah, uh, for people who are kind of getting into lights, um, I think there's two things that we haven't really covered yet. Uh, that's kind of really good to think about spending a bit of money in, um, by money, I mean, buying the cheapest ones possible, but buying them. One is light stands, um, uh, C stands, which are basically light stands that have an angle on them, so you can you can send you can send them vertically as well as horizontally, and you can put them anywhere in space. Um, those have been a lifesaver for me, especially if I had to do um, ex- weird shots because I could put the I could I could uh, put the loom cube wherever I wanted to, or put the flash wherever I wanted to, then it stays there. Um, I'm definitely um, used uh, paint can spray paint cans or anything to put lights up. But if you can find a way to anchor them in, um, another thing I use is the platypod, um, which is a small little uh, tripod plate with the uh, the actuating arms that they come with. That they come with, and those are great for mounting uh, loom cubes on for keeping them stable. Um, and then light diffusion, um, I think, is big. Getting a soft box um, is huge for making that light pop. Um, loom cubes and especially uh, uh, speed lights, they've got to have a really harsh light when coming straight out. Of the of the flash, but if you diffuse it, and the nice thing about toys is you don't need that big of a softbox. Um, a 12-inch softbox to a to a six-inch figure is the same as like a seven-foot uh, softbox to a human. Um, so you can save a ton of money that way. But by diffusing that light and knowing um, how the relationship between the distance of the light affects the uh, softness of the uh, the resulting light, like how close you put the the diffuser to the the figure, which is basically the um, the closer you put a diffuser to the, to an object, the softer the light is, and the farther away, the harsher it is, um, is real is a good rule of thumb, and that really allows you to place your light so you get the look you want. Sometimes you want a harsh light, sometimes you want a nice soft light. So knowing just the fact that putting your light closer makes it softer, and farther away makes it harsher, um, can allow you to kind of shape that light. And one final point while I'm yakking and have the microphone. (laughs) Um, The cool thing about lights is that nobody cares. Nobody gives a crap what the light source is. 
um, right? So if you have if you have the money and you have the fancy toys, that's great. If you're stuck with a flashlight, um, you can make a diffuser out of tissue paper. Um, I've done that many many times. I'm, I'm gonna um, hold and nobody gonna, not to interrupt, but I'm gonna hold up this monstrosity and uh, I'll describe it while we're looking at it. This is a a, a soft box made with parchment paper, a bunch of duct tape, and tin foil. So yeah, definitely, I definitely agree. Yeah, that's Dave. perfect. Yeah, um, and it's, so it doesn't really matter. You don't need. You don't. Um, it, it's very easy as photographers to start talking about gear, and then the credit card gets really, really sad. Um, but uh, you don't really need it. Um, you can you can fake this stuff um, with uh, simple crafting tools like tissue paper and stuff like that um, but knowing how the light works is by far the most critical thing after that you can fake it um, and nobody will notice yeah. well that that is a tremendous point dave and uh you're really like you know as i we're talking about all this gear and our flashes and our loom cubes you're absolutely right you know when i started i was using flashlights i was using those those light up cubes so um and you're and you're right when someone sees a photo that they, they don't care. Like, they don't know if there's thousands of dollars of gear behind it or if it's a, a, something you took out of your drink. Um, so, but learn... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, I've taken some of my best photos with, um, you know, uh, like things like this, right? This is, a, I think, a $9 Bluetooth LED smart bulb, and you hook it up to your uh, phone... And then you can it actually just you throw it on a whatever lamp or whatever, and then you can use your um, phone. To, it changes like a whole spectrum of colors. Um, uh, I don't know if you can see, and then and you can change the uh, brightness of it and everything. I mean, it's awesome. Um, and it also uh, I was going to mention earlier we were talking about you were talking about all those shots that you're scrolling through in Lightroom. Have you guys um, just as a question? Have you experienced kind of shooting the same photo in multiple colorways that makes sense like uh like i've shot a photo and then used a light like this where the same photo but blue red green yellow kind of trying it in all different sort of color styles with the same lighting setup it's kind of fun to do i'm actually doing that tonight uh with a shot that i have set up uh right in front of me on my desk uh where I'm, I'm only doing it not because I'm like, hey, this is fun. I want to do this. I'm doing it because, yeah, this sucks. This color sucks. This blue is not working. This orange sucks. So I'm cycling through the spectrum at a necessity. Yeah. How about you, Adam? Man, I I don't expect one or two shots of experiment with different lighting and how it floods the scene. But yeah, not the only other point I had, um, five below. If uh, you go to their their tech section, I've bought a ton, well, not a ton, but I've bought some, uh, they, ha- they have these strips. They're made for TVs, backlight, they're LEDs. Yeah. For five bucks, man, you get a strip of whatever color you want with a remote and the brightness of, because your, your bulb reminded me of that. And and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess meant, that's a good place to get some cheap stuff that works. Oh, oh man, I, I, I've got all sorts of stuff like that from like CVS, you know, like this is a little, this one, the battery's dead, so I can't show but this is a little Vivitar, you know, it's like almost one of those like lights that you can stick up in a cabinet, but you just press on it and it lights and yep. then it has a little remote with like all different colors. Um, and like you said, I, I actually just bought at, at Michael's for 10 bucks. It's like a string that lights up and they have them in a bunch of different colors. Nice. It's super cool. Like you, I, I haven't figured out what to use it for yet, but it's really cool. I, uh, I recently stole, well, borrowed, not stole from my, my kids. This, uh, it's like a, 
it almost looks like a firework, like suspended in time. It's a light that they hang in their room, and it's so awesome. Same thing. It cycles through colors, and I'm like, hmm, I could see some like hyperspace effects oh, with yeah. that. So yeah, one night we're putting the kids to, the, to bed. And my wife's like, "Wait, where's the light?" I'm like, "Oh, I've got it downstairs. So I'll bring it. Oh, I'll bring it back up in a second. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is. I, I'd like to follow this this train of thought. Like, um, so. St- anyone who's listening or uh, for those who are just getting into toy photography, you know, what do you recommend? um, Is it better to DIY or or look around the house, see what you have, or do you recommend just going directly to the the strobes, the LED light panels, loom cubes, you know, what kind of advice would you provide to someone just getting started in toy photography and looking to do more with uh, their scenes and adding more dynamic lighting? It's kind of a tricky one because my, my go-to answer would be buy a light and then play with it. Um, the other thing I would suggest is, like I said, it doesn't matter what light you have as long as you have a light, but really it's what to do with that light. I think that's always the thing. I mean, it's easy to go out and buy a light from anywhere, um, whether you go to Walmart or just, you know, steal from your kid's cabinet <laughs> um, or whatever. Um, but how, how to use it is by far the critical thing. Um, so I would highly recommend just doing some research um one of the things that is tough with toy photography is that there are very few tutorials that are based towards toy photography um it's just like any of the big educational companies that put out photography stuff just don't do toy photography tutorials um but the principles of shooting the light for a toy is the exact same as shooting a person or shooting a landscape or shooting a car um and so if you want to know how to light a figure and if you're trying to take more of a portraity shot, go look on YouTube for how to take nice portrait shots. Um, if for, I highly also recommend looking at some um, um, how to shoot cars or product photography. Um, the reason why is... Uh, I was, I'll tell you what the lesson that kind of brought me this this understanding. I was at Photoshop World, and there was a fellow by the name of Tim Wallace, um, who's a car photographer, and he shoots for like Maserati and Ferrari, um, like he's he's top of his game. And he was giving a tutorial on cars. I don't care about cars, but I decided to go anyway. It's because he was British, and I like British people. <laughs> um, the accent um, is comforting to me. And and he was shooting this car. It was a Tesla. And he said, the problem with cars is that they're shiny, large, shiny, curved surfaces. Um, so you have to really worry about that. And then in my head, I was going, well, I shoot toys. And what toys really are, are really small, tiny, curved, shiny surfaces. Um, so all of the techniques um, apply. Um, and between learning how to shoot people, uh, like flattering portraits, and learning how to um, shoot things like cars not that i really learned how to shoot cars i kind of just adapted the lessons and straight straight to toys but those two things i think informed my knowledge of light more than almost anything else other than actual trying it um so um i would say get a light source um find a way to modify it even if it's like throwing a a a tissue paper in front of a flashlight and then uh hitting up some of those tutorials on youtube and 
uh, figure out how to actually use it and play with it. Uh, don't worry about creating the art right away. Don't worry about the amazing photo. Just sit there and say, what does the light look like when I put it here? Move it a few degrees. What does it look like when I do it here? What does it look like when I do it here? What if I, what does it look like if I remove the modifier, if I add the modifier, maybe put two pieces of tissue paper, if I make the tissue paper bigger, <laughs> if I make it smaller. Just play around with it and see how it goes. Um, and then you'll have a better appreciation of how the light works. Because uh, light is just physics. Um, so if you kind of understand how it works and how it plays with your stuff, and then once you have that, you can take those that knowledge and apply it to the actual shot that you want to make. Awesome. Adam, do you have any, any thoughts there? Anything to add? No, I, I totally agree. Like when, when I started out, I just found anything that put out light and, and just experimented, learned. Like I, I was not comfortable uh, you know, one month into toy photography, let's go buy a loom cube. You know, I, I, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I, I was, I was beside myself when I bought my, I bought one of the, uh, two of those Manfrotto Lumis, the three LED ones. That's a $20, mm-hmm. you know, light. I'm like, man, I usually get the free stuff from Harbor Freight that you get at the checkout line when you buy another purchase. And and that's what I have a lot of just like cheap flashlights. And so I, I did, I did a lot of the, you know, using tissues as diffusers that I still use that all the time. Um, cause those cheap, like those cheap LEDs, they're, they're really harsh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say find what you have at hand and learn how light works, you know, in your photo and, and, you know, then you can, you can graduate up. I mean, if you want to jump in, go for it. I, I think learning is more important than the gear you have. <laughs> I mean that 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 was my approach because I wasn't yeah I wasn't going to just jump right in and buy all this expensive equipment when I don't know how to use any of it. My camera's bad enough. <laughs> That's a great point though. Experience like Trump's gear, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely oh, agree. Cool. <laughs> oh yeah, and the big fireball in the sky. I mean, learn how that that yeah. works outside. Yeah, we actually. <laughs> Yeah, we, we you know we stayed away from that pretty much in this conversation. I, I was hoping that one of you was brave enough to to you know tame the giant fire in the sky. But well, I will bring up something with the fire in the sky and using cheap light. Um, like you said, it's free. It's free to everybody. Um, that's another way to do it without spending any money on any sort of light or touching your kid's toolbox of lights. Um, is just to take a toy and stick it out in the sun. And then just walk around it and see how the light looks from different angles and then turn the toy. And how does it look when it's facing the sun this way and that way? And just see how the light changes with reflections um, and uh, how the shadows fall on faces and all that type of stuff. Um, Then you can look at, then over time, obviously, you can look at things like... um, uh, how does the how does the light look from you know sunrise and sunset, which uh, photographers love because the, the that nice golden light. But how does it look in harsh light? Uh, how does it look in an overcast day? Um, the, all those. How does it look you know when it's coming through trees? Um, all that type of stuff. You just kind of be a little bit observant and just play around with things, and not to again not to create the art. Don't if you're doing these exercises, don't worry about creating your photo. Your goal is not to post something on Instagram that day, or at least from that particular moment in time it's to just understand how the light works and just playing with how things work um, either by moving the light around it or in the case of the sun um, moving the toy around the direction of the sunlight 
Um, it's the same thing. It's just how, seeing how the light hits it and falls in it. Uh, the only thing you really can't do is like diffusing the light, but you can actually buy scrimmers or just put up a uh, uh, tissue paper in front of it, and then that'll help diffuse the light. Um, and when it comes to the, when I mentioned before that the light going, uh, how far or close the light is to your, your subject, that's actually the last bit of, of modifying material. So doing putting your tissue paper a couple inches away from your toy is the exact same as putting a softbox a couple inches from your toy. Even though the sun's millions of miles away, the effect of the light is still the same. I think we'd also be remiss not to mention that toyphotographers.com has um, lots of articles on some of these things as well that people should definitely look Absolutely. at. Absolutely. And uh, that's my first advice is go to toyphotographers.com. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Guys, well, I uh, see we're, we're kind of running down the clock here, so I appreciate everyone making the time tonight. This, I thought this was a great conversation. Um, go around the room before we, we break. Does anybody have anything they want to plug, uh, starting with you, Oliver? Um, you know, I'm always happy to have new people come see my stuff at um, Instagram, Oliver Sees, uh, O-L-I-V-E-R-S-E-E-S. And uh, I also... Um, moderate or uh, run a feature page called uh, 118 AF. So it's at 118 AF on Instagram. And that is um, for all your 3.75 inch photography, which there's not enough of on Instagram. So if you're shooting that stuff, tag uh, 118 AF and uh, we'd love to feature your stuff. Awesome. How about you, Adam? Yeah. I I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, If anybody ever has any questions, you can always ask me, yeah, and what very little I know, I'm always happy to share. That's one thing I'm getting into with stories and reels is trying to, you know, post more of the the tricks I I steal from others. Is uh, <laughs> <laughs> stuff I learn from you and stuff I read about is. Uh, yeah, I mean that's it. Uh, at Burkhead Toys, hit me up. Awesome, Dave, uh, take us home, my friend. Sure thing. Um, well, like Adam said, I love talking shop. So wherever you find me, if you have questions or just want to ask, you know, how did I get that shot or provide tips, just hit me up on chat or whatever. I'm more than happy to talk. Um, places to find me are Instagram uh, at or at the real studio Dave. Um, my website's just studiodave.ca. Um, of course, on tourphotographers.com. I'm a regular contributor there. So any of those places, uh, feel free to chuck drop by check out my work and if you want to chat and discuss toy photography i'm always happy to talk shop awesome thank you and um again my name is uh alan rappa you can find me at at alan rappa on instagram or twitter and again uh, also part of the toyphotographers.com team uh, again if you have any questions or anything uh please check out our, our miwi group or just comment on the, the post on toy photographers and let's keep the conversation going So thanks everyone for joining tonight and uh, have a lovely evening and we'll talk to you all soon. Thank you so much for listening. You can find new episodes of this podcast and articles on creativity and toy photography on our website, toyphotographers.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a five-star review. That will help spread the word about the show and help us get noticed. You can find us on Facebook at Toy Photographers, on Twitter at Toy Photo Blog, and on Instagram at underscore Toy Photographers underscore. But if you really want to connect with us, check out our MeWe community. You can find the link to it in the show notes for this episode and on the blog. This week's show is produced by Shelley Corbett and Christina Alexanderson. 
Music for this week's episode is courtesy of freemusicarchive.org, and our podcast editor is Josh Kittleson. I'm James Garcia. You can find me on Instagram at TheRealJames23. For everyone here at Toy Photographers, thanks for listening. See you next time.